Right. Okay, cool. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Over the Bridge podcast. Um, today, we are so excited because we're going to be talking um, with one of our good friends. Good friends, Christy, has joined us. Hello, Christy. Hey. Um, unfortunately, we're missing out on Patrick. Um, he's not here today, but the rest of us are here. Say hi. Yo, what's going on? Hello. <laughs> what are you doing, Tom? I gave the uncle hello. hello. <laughs> he just knocks on the door. Like... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah, so you guys know us already by now, but you don't know Christy, so why don't Christy, why don't you say hello? Okay, my name is Christy. Um, I am a Cambridge graduate. I graduated in 2013. I was at the same college as Bilal. Um, I studied law. Um, I, Following graduating from Cambridge, I went back to London, did a year of law school, um, took some time out to go traveling. Um, started training. I trained for two years at a law firm in the city. Um, took some more time out to go traveling, and I'm currently <laughs> working um, as a corporate lawyer um, for an American firm in the city. Um, and that is me. Bang, bang. Oi, oi. Yeah, man. Um, it's nice. It's nice to have a soft. <laughs> it's nice to have a very soft spoken, <laughs> sultry <laughs> voice sultry. on the podcast. Wow. My real talk. Called sultry. Soulful. Do you actually Soulful. sing, Christy? Pardon? Do you actually sing? Yeah. I, well, I sang at Cambridge. I was in a band, and we played. We did like the Mabel circuit. It was so fun. Open for rudimental. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Steve. Big. Um, yeah. No, I don't sing now, apart from in the shower. But... <laughs> Christy can sing, you know. Mm. You can she hear it in her tone. She was the oh, lead really? singer of the band. That's wavy. As no, DWE said, listen to my lyrical tone. <laughs> oh, yeah. My can, I just, can, I just, oh, can we just, before yeah. we get before we get I'm so gassed <laughs> right now. I'm still, I'm still Tell us what right happened now. to your life. Yeah. You saw the, the, the godfather so of grime. I'm, Actually, I met my long lost father <laughs> yesterday. Like, oh, long story short, yeah, but I was in the Vice building, met D-Double. <sighs> what can I say? Like the live is just a super, super nice guy. Legend, You're smiling so much right now. Yeah, the the whole time I was teeth. getting little pictures. I was doing I like the little, right now, man. the little, <laughs> <laughs> doing a little Instagram photo, the little selfie, and I was just skinning bare teeth like <laughs> D double man. But no, he's a proper cool guy, proper humble, just yeah, relaxed. Yeah. Hey, but Quaku, if 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 Wiley's the Godfather of Grime, mm. what's D double then? Ooh, what's the appropriate title? So, yeah, what would you give him? I'll just say the best, really. Wow. He's just the best. Yeah, he, no, he is wow. your favourite MC's favourite yeah, MC. That's like, so. hands down, like, he's the greatest. He's just out here meeting everyone, man. Isn't it, bro? He's getting cold sand left, right and centre, bro. More life, man. I wish I brought the chocolates for him, though. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> that's the myth. I wish I plugged him with the chocolates. <laughs> you know, start walking with chocolates. I like. Can you know he's a smoker as well, so like, the munchies kicks in, bing boom, I got the chocolates My for God. you. <laughs> well, anyway, um, back to what we're talking about today. So today, I think... Um, I think it'd be good for us to sort of set the tone as to why we're having this conversation. I think someone that's underpinned a lot of this podcast over the last couple of seasons is what we do now and yeah. who we are as people. And one of the things that we haven't really got into is whether or not uni actually set us up for that. Like, did university actually set us up for the career paths that we've gone down, mm -hmm. the choices that we've made? Um, and I guess having Christy on today will provide some light on the corporate, like corporate world, working in law, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, and we want to get into talking a bit about our careers because we all do quite different things, which is cool on, in this foursome. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about whether or not university set us up for the career path we're on today. So yeah, special guest. Okay. Um, okay. So as I said earlier, um, I currently work as a lawyer. Um, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer before university, hence the degree that I picked. Um, in terms of whether uni 
set me up well, I say it's a yes and no answer. So, you know, obviously Cambridge has an incredible bearing and carries a lot of weight in in the corporate sphere. You know, you have a CV that says Mm -hmm. they're a Cambridge graduate Mm -hmm. and people do give it maybe 10 seconds of extra reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of have to look at why. And Mm -hmm. of course it's got the history, it's got the reputation, but I also think Cambridge prepares you for, you know, hardworking, for the graft, you know. Obviously degrees are worth so much wherever you get them. Um, and there are so many incredible courses and universities in, in this country. But, you know, I would go up, for example, on holidays mm. and visit my mates at other unis. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I got two essays to do this term. And I'm like, do this term. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no. I was writing no. an essay yeah. a week, mm. plus my supervision reading and my lectures. And then having to spend two hours in a supervision. Um it was once you start week one of term, it is a nonstop. You're like, you get to week eight and you're like, <gasps> mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, so me. when I started working after that, I think when I finished my finals, I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm never ever gonna beast myself out like this over yeah. anything again mm. because the work rate was mad. And when I started working, when I started training, a lot of in my appraisals and stuff, a lot of the comments I would get from my supervisors or from one people on the team was that, you know, Christy works really hard, really diligent. And, she has a very calm attitude towards it. And in my head, I'm like, that's because I've yeah, been through home. it. Yeah, and me, in that respect, I think Cambridge did set me up well because, you know, if I have to work late on a deal into like the early hours of the morning, mm. I did that already when I was yeah, studying yeah, in the library. So it, it, it didn't come as a shock to my system to have mm. to, you know, spend a long time working and to kind of have to just put in that work. So in that respect, you know, and also, but of course, you know, People can relate to that whether you went to Cambridge or not, but I would say in terms of my experience, that was one thing that Cambridge really did do well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going into a more traditional career path, Cambridge was also really good because you know big law firms often came into the colleges to like mm. either host our events or to come and meet us and talk to us. Mm. Um, so I had that exposure to different kinds of companies, and you know they came to us because they thought that we were you know some of the best grads. Um, so in that sense, yeah, it does. You get the exposure. They have the career fairs. Flipping it on the other side, I'd say that, you know, what I wasn't really well prepared for was like the kind of breadth of career paths. I think if you know you want to be a lawyer, yeah. an accountant, a yeah. consultant, a doctor, mm-hmm. it's, it's all kind of there on a plate. But, you know, as a 20 year old undergrad, for example, I didn't know that you could have a career in marketing. I didn't know that you mm. could have a career mm. in branding. Mm. There's so much out there that I wasn't aware of and that I probably could have, I could have, I could have still pursued despite having a law degree yeah, if yeah. I had known about. Mm. And so I feel like I, looking back, I wish that I had more exposure to the breadth of career paths. I mean, I'm happy on the path that I chose and I'm really happy in the job that I have, but I think that universities should do more and Cambridge should do more to show people like, you know, if you don't pick a traditional career path that leads you into the city, mm. There's a lot you can do that will make you happy, that yeah, will make absolutely. you work hard. Yeah, and I feel, and, really cause I feel like yeah. you guys, um, I mean, well, Tom works down the road from me, but I mean- um, <laughs> I know Christy's my work wife. <laughs> I'm not quite work wife. It's on the record now. But you know, <laughs> stand you know. the corner. Um, <laughs> but like, I you're think... forcing it, Brad, be careful. <laughs> and why are you blushing as well? Like? I'm not. <laughs> blushing right now, man. Um, wow. So you're still yet to bring me cookies, so let's hold but on. You those, cookies? Let's, let's where hold where, on where those do you get titles. cookies from, B? Let's hold on those titles. Oh, okay. Where do you get cookies from? But, um, I buy them for you still. But, I'll chop them on your desk, innit? I can't 
Tom, you think your girl's gonna listen to this? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I know she's she's a big fan, so yeah. Shut up. Um, but yeah, I think that Cambridge should have definitely, and probably people who went to other universities probably agree that there should be more kind of exposure given to people that are graduating into like maybe more creative yes. yeah, creative yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. career paths career paths in the charity sector career paths that you know don't follow that traditional route that make you end mm. up wearing a suit Monday to Friday yeah. um, so in that respect I think that um, Cambridge Uni didn't really do that do that well and then also I guess just in terms of the working world itself but then I don't I don't know if that is the university's mm. responsibility I think those are just lessons that you learn being in those spaces mm. Kweku, because obviously you work in a charity sector. Yeah. Um, how, how, I guess, did university prepare you for, or did it prepare you for working in the charity, the charity sector? sector. Mm. It's a weird one. I kind of like, I don't want to say I fell into my position or the industry I ended up working in, but like... Yeah, I was going to ask because you did economics and it's sort of like... Exactly. So you, like it's very yeah. much unrelated to the degree I did, but like... Yeah. I think through going through the process and as Christy was saying, one good thing about Cambridge is that a lot of employers come to you. Mm-hmm. It's not really a, a, a case of you trying to kind of go out of your way to find mm-hmm. opportunities. They kind of come to you, pitch to you, have these like dinners, drinks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was exposed to like a lot of opportunities that is traditionally economic students kind of go for accounting, yeah. banking, all that kind of stuff. And through networking and kind of chatting to people that work in those industries, I just kind of realized that it really wasn't for me. And I think that's something that's really important. If there are any like young listeners or people at uni, whatever, listening, um, to be really self-aware and know yeah, like yeah. what you 100%. are interested in, what motivates you, um, and what's going to get you up in the morning and make you feel like, cool, like my day's been valuable. I've used my day well. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always felt like I want to do something with a positive social impact. That was like mm-hmm. the main thing for me. Um, so that kind of naturally lends itself to the charity mm-hmm. sector mm-hmm. just because, you know, that's what you're trying to do. Um, but I was also like interested in kind of international development, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, more recently, well, not more recently, but kind of post um, graduating, became more interested in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as those kind of sectors, I, I couldn't say directly that Cambridge really prepared me for them. Mm-hmm. I think is mainly what I got up to post university that really did that for mm-hmm. me. Um, and it really was a case of just learning on the go. Yeah. Um, like having it, like work experience, internships, that kind of thing. Um, and I think I wouldn't say a problem, but it's something that's common to like loads of universities, as Christy was saying again. Like, there's a lot of focus on the traditional career paths, but there's also, um, and even kind of non um, corporate um, careers and stuff, mm. but there's not much support given us to try and find out what you might be interested in and what yeah, your yeah. skill set lends that, itself to. That's what your workplace Exactly. Does, so I'm going to yeah. lead on to that. And that's kind of what the place I work at. I don't know if I should just say it. Yeah, why yeah, not? Plug Upreach, it, man. Yeah, yeah. Plug it, man. Um, shout out everyone at Upreach, by the way. Because <laughs> some of them actually listen they're, to the podcast. They're good people so as well, man. Proper sweet guys. But, um, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you facilitated. Yeah. Didn't you? I had to facilitate yeah, yeah. Quaker. It so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was going to happen. That's I just so turned so up to work. And then I was signing in. And where your office is, you have to scroll down to like click the name of someone. Yeah. So I was looking for someone whose name started with L. And then I see Kwaku before. I was like, what? It's <laughs> <was> like, nah. <laughs> oh, you're That's looking smart. for Laura then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so much. I literally walked upstairs and I just saw, but I saw, like, I saw your jacket and I saw your hair. That was the main thing. And I was like, hold on. But yeah, that's yeah. all mad. But yeah, basically, um, 
that's what the organization I work for does is trying to give um, undergraduates from less advanced backgrounds, by that is usually kind of low income backgrounds, mm -hmm. sometimes refugees, status, all that kind of stuff. Um, and improving the employability skills as yeah. well as like giving them that career advice that sometimes the career services don't have the resource to do. Um, and I found that like that's really the big part of the job is like saying, like really sitting down with someone and saying, okay, what are you interested in? Yeah, yeah. What, mm -hmm. what are you good at? What do you kind of get enjoyment out of? Um, and then trying to create opportunities that lend itself to that. So with where, where I work at the moment, I must say it is largely skewed towards corporate careers mm -hmm. but then we are making a conscious effort to try and get um kind of partnerships with organizations in the creative industries yeah. we have a few partnerships with charities and um kind of government and public sector that kind yeah. of stuff as well so um yeah i think to just kind of sum it up me personally i don't think it's lent itself directly mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my kind of time at uni is very much just academic focused mm -hmm. even though I was thinking about careers and I think just naturally the way you are especially economic students everyone's like on a rush trying to find trying to apply for internships and mm -hmm. even first year spring week programs yeah, some yeah. internship programs placements graduate jobs so like it's always that that kind of pressure is always there to think about your career and think mm -hmm. about what you're going to do after um but yeah, when I kind of found out that or discovered it myself, that I didn't really want to go down that route. There wasn't much mm. kind of support that I could yeah, have yeah. got, I feel at least. Mm. It's interesting, man, because what you were just saying made me think about when I was in Jamaica, I was with my grandma. I was sitting in this bank and we were just waiting because the queues are mad long out there. Mm. And we were talking because she was asking me like, what did, what did I do at uni? Blah, blah, blah. So I told her, I was like, I did theology at university. And she's like, oh, is that because you wanted to be a pastor? And I was like, no, that's what everyone always asked. <laughs> pastor like, B. Oh my God. Like everyone always thought that. But, and then I was like, no, not really. I just wanted to learn about theology. Yeah. Right. And then she's like, so what, what can you do with that? Like, what, what did you do at uni? Because in her mind, is you go to uni, you learn a very specific set of skills yep. that prepares you for a job that's exactly that. I think that's that's kind of the, I find that, I think that's one of the benefits, benefits about the UK system, I think, is that you can study anything and perhaps end up in anywhere you want to be, to mm. be honest. Whereas mm -hmm. I think at different parts of, say, like continental Europe, you are very much shoehorned in from an early age. So if you go down the French system, there's like a certain set of subjects if you want to do like a mathematical route or social sciences route and that kind of places you into the place you want to be. Um, and same thing in like Germany and Spain, et cetera, et cetera. Because a, a lot of CEOs of these big European companies, let's say like an engineering company, the, the CEO will undoubtedly be an engineer, whereas here in the UK it might not necessarily be that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So here you can, and I think going to Oxford and Cambridge only exacerbates that you don't have to study you know, economics to necessarily be a banker. You don't have to study law to be a lawyer. Okay, you have to qualify into it. But, you know, so we have that benefit in that way. And I think that's probably one of the misconceptions that, and I think maybe for our younger listeners that, okay, if you want to do something, um, I mean, medicine, perhaps some of the vocations being slight exceptions, medicine, yeah, law to a lesser extent, architecture, mm. probably one of those things. But apart from those, what we would call vocational subjects, you can study anything you want and still end up in a, in a field which you think, oh, I need to study something vocational to get into that. Yeah, it's actually advantageous sometimes to come from a different background because mm. you have a different mindset. Yeah, The way you think is you can kind of add, add value to the company mm. in that sense. Like even this week, I was having a chat with um, somebody who works in HR at my workplace because she was saying, because obviously I'm leaving in a couple of days and she was like, did you even think when you were younger that you'd be a facilitator? I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like there was mm -hmm. no... 
I'd never heard of that at any careers thing at school, nothing at uni. I didn't know that was an option, but yet I'm doing it and I'm doing it quite well. And I'll think about, imagine if, imagine if I'd had like the actual, I don't know, like um, someone had come and done a talk and been like, you did, you know that you could be this. I wonder if at an even younger age, I would have been prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not complaining because it's mm. like I've fallen into it and I think I'm doing quite well. Mm. But I wonder in the same way that they talked about joining the army or be a doctor or be an accountant, if they'd given you the, um, what's the word I'm thinking about? The exposure mm. to yeah. the whole range of like some of the creative industry careers yeah. as well. Um, like would I have been better prepared for what I'm doing? I mean, I, if I'm, I'm really skeptical about the way career services do things. When I think about it, it's like there are industries which generate a lot of revenue for an individual. Mm. And eventually when a university comes back, you know, to collect your coins in how many years, mm-hmm. you know, like Cambridge has an, and a lot of unis. I know Cambridge has an endowment fund. Mm. In fact, it was only the other week where Cambridge issued like a 60 year bond. So in other words, oh. to get funding for itself and for its, for its R&D activities and stuff like that. So it makes natural sense for them to bring in the industries which are seen to generate a lot of cash for the mm-hmm. person and then eventually you suddenly get a call from your college or from Cambridge essentially saying, yeah, can you be a donor? It's like, okay, yeah, you can be a donor given that you're, you're you're in a different tax bracket. So yeah, okay, sure, I'll dash you at, you know, this and this and this. I think it's almost like a, it's almost like this self-fulfilling, it's like this kind of virtuous circle they might see as, but to ask the students, it can potentially be a vicious circle because the industries that, are less visible can perhaps be the most interesting mm-hmm. for us. Do you know what I mean? So, and especially in the kind of um, jobs jobs landscape we're working in, where we're seeing startups being founded by twenties, thirties yeah. year olds yeah, yeah. that are being sold on for you know hundreds of millions yeah. of pounds mm-hmm. that you know are shaping the landscape of of commerce, are shaping the landscape of business. You know, it's really important that universities clock onto this because a lot of my friends from Cambridge have worked at companies when they're at the startup stage and mm-hmm. are now household names. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think unis really need to really latch onto that and understand that, you know, these these tech companies are also looking for excellent grads in the same way that the massive um, firms mm. are. Yeah. And to and to kind of let people know, you know, we we admitted you into this university because we of the way that you think, because you're because you're innovative, because you analyze and, you know, that kind of skill set are what these new products are what these new services that are disrupting the market need. So, you know, if anything, I think, you know, I understand, like, Tom, I completely agree with your analysis, but I also see, you know, even an advantage from the career services perspective to mm. say it was a Cambridge graduate that founded this yeah. tech company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Cambridge graduate that was on the founding board of this, of this new, of this new, you know, app. So, you know, I really do think that career services need to wise up to the fact that, you know, young innovative startups are a big part of what graduates mm. are going into yeah, to get true. involved in that as well it's because true. it's equally cool to attach your university name to that just as well as it to say yeah we've had 60 percent of our graduates go to big four accounting yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean I'm, I'm more impressed by the fact that okay this person you know set up something like airbnb you know that, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's gonna grab a young person's that's attention so a lot that's quicker true. Yeah. like I, I think you know, there are obviously the big names that sometimes people go, oh, okay, cool, you work there and yeah. they smile and whatever. But then to say I'm actually, I was a founder of yeah, yeah, yeah. this yeah. thing, that's so much better. So no, I'd even go as far as to say, I don't, I don't know if you guys agree, but like there is somewhat of a, maybe a generational shift or a cultural shift where people in our generation and the generations below more and more are less 
excited by the concept of working for like a big corporate company. No, I, I agree. Like, I'm I agree. more interested in the idea of like starting a business. I agree. Or, you, know, you know what it is? Along those lines. I was reading, I think it was, it was reading the FT the other day. And there's a new... As you do. Isn't it? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true, I've been reading it for a long time. But um, I was reading it and there's a new, I think it's a new COO, Chief Operating Officer of Goldman Sachs. So Goldman Sachs, they've had a number of changes, new CEO, new like management. And he was saying that in his generation, when he started, that it was very much a, a thing of um, do as you're told and you do it and you kind of get to climb up the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't really work though. He's saying a lot of the younger um, people that he works with ask a lot more questions, which to an older generation, someone who's older can be very, very annoying. Mm -hmm. And he was also saying that like, I hate this, oh, the millennials thing, but he was saying all the millennials that he comes across, they, um, yeah, they want to feel purpose in the work that they do. And I, I think I think one of the big reasons for that is across all industries, um, pay has significantly reduced. Even though for industries that still pay well, you're getting paid a lot less than you once did. Really? Oh, yeah, bankers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even bankers. bankers I mean, even bankers. Even oh, bankers. Wow, I didn't even know that. So, you know, maybe if we go back, I don't want to say 10, 15 years ago, but you might have started off on, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 to start off with. Now it's 30, 40, you might start off with. Mm. Still a lot of money, do you get, don't get wow. me wrong. But one, you get that too. You also get the fact that our, our money- and Money's changed. Money's changed. Yeah. Money, yeah. money means a lot right. less now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You have to remember 10, 15 years ago, could have bought a house for what for amount? That. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, two, three That's times so that bad. multiple maybe. Now it's 10 times that multiple. Wow. So there's a question of, why do I have to work in a city where I'm getting paid significantly less than what my people who are my seniors are getting paid, mm -hmm. working probably twice as hard because mm -hmm. there's always, there's more stuff to do. Mm. And yet I'm having to just do as I'm told, mm. you know? And more so, politics, I think. That's probably, how people yeah. People ah. deal with the, the office politics. Mate, I think that's, that's not for anyone can That's what I was not prepared for at uni, <laughs> yeah? The politics of being in an office. But I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But no, like, tell me more. No, but even, through, but even just through, things man. like, like people gossiping. Like mm. it took me a while to realize when they talk, yeah, just keep quiet and nod. Because <laughs> when 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 Sally and J Julie are now friends and they will tell you, oh yeah, yeah, Christy got involved as well and said this, it's not okay. worth it. Yeah, Politics yeah. Keep quiet Trust me, and just smile and nod. I wasn't prepared for small talk in the kitchen in the morning when oh, I'm gonna make a cup of coffee. A Hi, how are you? I did not realize. What did you do last night? Yeah. What? what did I did not know till oh uni should have prepared me for the fact that you're going to talk about the weather every, every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is everyone talking about the weather all the time? Yeah. I was not ready. Like, it's a whole different ball game. I used to, you know, when I first started my job, I used to just keep my headphones in until I'd made a coffee and sat back down. Yeah, oh, I know yeah. someone that does that. I know someone that does that. end up looking rude. Um, yeah. Especially mind. as a black girl in the office. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's can't, a, I have to be yeah. extra smiley. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but um, I mean, now I'm in my own office, so that's even nicer. So I just close, got the, that mad view, I close the door. And oh, just that's yeah, your view, your, your, your building is nice, blood. It's not open plan. But oh, like when it. I'm eating my breakfast, I just close the door. Mm. Wait, you got your own office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yourself? Have you not seen oh, the, the pictures of yeah. the view from Wait, you got your own office? I can see. So I can see from my office Emirates Stadium, and then I can see White Hot Lane. 
So I only oh. now just realised why they're rivals. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're what's Liverpool Street? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. facing okay, up north. Yeah. Wait, it's your own office. It's my own room. With no one else in there. That's what I mean. She's made it. Man. People That's knock in mean. to talk to me. Wow. That's when yeah. I had to say to mum, be like, Ma, Mama, I made it. Mama, I made it. Nah, that's much, you know. But you brought up something I actually wanted to ask you about. Yeah, go for it. Which was, you talked about being a black woman in the workplace. Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean... First of all, have, have, like we'll talk about this, but pertinent to the question, how many black people are in your company in London? So where I'm currently at now, um, I have... My PA is black. She's a lovely woman, looks after me. Got a couple more black PAs, um, uh, black paralegal, and then there's like a black partner, which is really nice. Oh, that's and, sick. That's yeah, sick. and so Rare. you know, in terms of diversity, I'm really happy because you know, it's not it's not just a buzzword. They genuinely mm. do mm. encourage it, and mm. it is really nice to come into a place where people are. It's not like everybody is a really old, posh white man and mm. it's really, really awkward because I don't have anything to say to them. You know, it is genuinely a diverse place. Cool. Um, mm. um, being a black woman in the corporate world is, it carries with it. And I think it goes for any kind of, mm. kind of career mm -hmm. situation you're in. You feel like you're carrying a burden of being a representative, mm. whereas other mm. people kind of just get to be themselves. I'm like, oh, well, if I get passionate about this topic, yeah. I'm now going to be the loud, angry black woman. And, yeah. you know, it's a burden to have to carry that extra kind of conscious thought all the time about mm. how you carry yourself. And, yeah. you know, a big part of white privilege is the fact that you can just be yourself and no one's going to associate you with an entire group of people. Um, of course, there are the microaggressions that I've... You know, I, I, I'm quite fortunate that I haven't really experienced kind of in a day-to-day -day basis where it's, you know, mm -hmm. making me hate where I am. I, I love where I work. But, you know, I will say something that might be a bit more um, opinionated and somebody will click their fingers in a Z formation. I'm like, <laughs> what are you wow. doing, my Come friend? On. Where did you read that one? Come or on. like... You know, people go out of their way to use certain slang, and like, you know, my voice. You know, I, I grew up in the suburbs. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to be called up to me and say, "Well, go on." Like, <laughs> mate, it's okay. Like, you know, people just kind of doing too much because they they can't relate and they kind of want to relate, and it's just mm, like yeah. you can yep. just be yourself. It's yep. okay. Um, and so, you know, there are certain even like. When I, before I started this job, I was interviewing at, at a number of firms. So I'd just come back from traveling and I was applying for jobs. And, you know, I thought, sat and thought for ages, like, am I going to have braids in my interviews? Because what if I don't get the job as a mm, matter of my mm, hair? Mm, mm. And, you know, the fact that black women even have to think about that yeah. and think, yeah, yeah. oh, maybe I should, you know, straighten my hair every day or maybe I should wear a wig or a weave or, you know, I can't wear my natural afro out because people will assume this about me, you know, it is a lot. And, yeah. you know, I, mm. I deliberated, I was like, oh, but what if I miss out on opportunities because they've seen me with braids and think X, Y, Z about me. And then, I, and then I was just like, do you know what? Any company that's not going to give me the job because of the way that my hair is, I would not want to be there anyway. Because yeah. can you imagine what they'll be doing to me when I'm there? So I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to wear my braids. They're going to look extra nice because I look nice with them. <laughs> and if I don't get the job with them, I was not meant to be there anyway. And, you know, I'm so happy that I made that decision because, you know, I can be, you know, I can look how I want to look and, 
not ever had a comment. No one's touched them, thank God. Um, and, you know, and if you have, you know, to any, you know, young black women listening, you know, don't feel like you have to hide yourself. And if you do have to kind of mask yourself to assimilate, then those companies don't deserve you That's in the it. first place. Mm-hmm. You know, That's I it. think we do so much self-policing thinking that we need to assimilate. And what we don't realise is, is that, you know, people want to, you know, people, people want to be just like us, you mm. know. You know, we're, we're, we're shaping culture and we are setting trends and we shouldn't have to hide our light to make other people feel comfortable. And the, the corporate landscape is changing. And if you, you know, it's not like the old days where they'd be like, oh, you know, you have to look. I mean, some places may, may still do that. And, and I think that's obviously disgusting. But I definitely think, you know, we've worked hard and we've got these results. We deserve to be in these spaces. And not only do we deserve to be in those spaces, we deserve to be our authentic selves in mm, those places, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember if I'm listening to like gigs or something, be like, what are you listening to? Oh, just Stevie Wonder. Oh, you know, <laughs> just, you know what, yeah? I'm going to tell you and you're going to learn. You're going to learn oh, today. Wow. You're going to learn about Skepta Konnichiwa today. Do you know what I mean? Like things like that. Like, yeah, I, I played Rosa G's at work once on Love. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it now. I'll, I'll have you got headphones on and you're just banging your head. I have to just do yeah. it. Yeah. And I remember, I had this, you know, one older colleague came into my room and was like, oh, what listen to? And I, and I was talking about it. He now was like, oh, um, I was watching that Kiki Do You Love Me video the other day. And I was like, do you know what? At least you're trying. Let's just have a conversation. Like, <laughs> other people get the privilege of being themselves. So yes. why yeah. should we not? Why can't we be ourselves? Oh, yeah, I was hey. with this guy the other day. Um, and if you're listening, then yeah, man, let's talk again. But he works in... He's doing a civil service fast stream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that he was one of like three non-white people on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that one of the things that he was struggling with was the fact that in most conversations, they were about things that he just didn't know. Like yeah. it's just about things he'd just never been aware of. Mm-hmm. The music, the the culture, like all of that stuff he couldn't mm-hmm. relate. And one of the things that we were talking about was whether or not he could ever flip the script and then just start talking about grime. Cause I was like, that's what that's what you know. Just start talking about grime in a way and be like, how do you lot not know this? And then suddenly you're in that position of Absolutely. power yeah, yeah. where it's like, actually, this is important. And the yeah, things yeah, that I yeah. care about are worth people at work giving the time to think Absolutely. about and talk yeah, about yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Because there's this, there's this thing of us going to work and having to mask ourselves and like try to fit in and not talk about the things that we normally would talk about with our friends or the people that we like. But we have to partake in these conversations no, yeah. about things that have nothing to do with us. This takes me back to my first role at uni. Um... And I remember my first boss said to me, you have an attitude problem. Now, I didn't have an attitude problem. He was labeling it as something as, oh, you're black and you're loud and you're talkative, but- Were you being Tommy Dyer at work? No, I wasn't. I was being quiet and on my job and I was doing mad hours, like I'm still doing now. But Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm -hmm. I was just on job and he said, you had an attitude problem. I was like, I was like, rah. I was like, I know where this is coming from, but anyway. Mm -hmm. um, And actually those kind of comments can make you feel quite small. Um, because if I had an attitude problem, I said I've had an attitude problem. And now I've got a big mouth and I can talk, but I didn't have an attitude problem. I was doing the job, I was doing the work. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, rah, like what Christy was saying, you sort of, you have to one day come to your senses and suddenly you think, do you know what, yeah, I worked hard to get here. Um, I deserve to be here like anyone else does. Mm-hmm. So I might not understand your culture, but you don't understand about mine. I was talking to one guy. At my current place, he'd say, Yeah, I know about grime. I was like, Who do you know? Who do you know in crime? He mentioned Stormzy's now. I was like, Yeah, cool. Stormzy with GSAP. Shout out Stormzy in it. But I was like, Who else do you know in crime? Um, I said, Skepta. Nope. Gets. No. So I said, Ah. Oh. He said, Who you listen to? I said, I'm listening to R.A. 
I said, who's R.A.? Yeah, yeah, that's That's a bit much, isn't it? So I was like, oh, so I, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said, I said, and he was, he was like, oh, yeah, I know about Graham. I was like, you know about R.A., like early Graham. I was like, what about Kalashnikov, bro? Like, what about, he's like, nah, I was like, so you don't really know about Graham. I was like, have you ever been to Eskimo dance? Logan Sama Westwood. Nah, I said, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. I said, all right, come and tell me you know about Graham. No, but that's it. Sometimes, like, you have to, you understand, like, you have to realize that I deserve to be here the same way anyone else does. Just because I have, I'm I'm part of a culture which can be distinctly different to yours, it don't matter. Absolutely. You understand? But you have to have that, um, you have to have a level of self confidence and self pride. But that also means that you have to be on job. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you have to know you're on job mm-hmm. to be, to be, to almost want to be yourself. Because we ain't got that privilege of being mediocre. That's you understand? Yeah. We can't. We ha- You actually have to. You have to know that you are being a top performer. Yeah. Um, to top to your ability, and then you can do whatever you want to do. This is why I know when people talk about our oh, money made, as in Floyd Mayweather, money made. Oh, he's this and this. My man's fifty undefeated, bro. That's the thing, though. It's you understand? Related to that, I saw like. One thing about Mayweather, like he's not shy to talk about his accomplishments Trust and me. like go on about. It. I think a lot of black people, yeah. Um, one thing we're guilty of, and I think I know why that is a soul, but I'll touch on that in a second. But like, even when we are hardworking and doing bits, we don't talk about. It. We're not yeah, like yeah. boastful, not even boastful, but we don't like really. We're not. You don't vocalize it as much as other colleagues might feel comfortable doing, and that is easy for us to kind of like be under the radar and people yeah. not recognize that you're putting in mad work mm. and the reason why i think that is at least for some circumstances is and i can only i guess i can only talk about this from a like a Ghanaian perspective but the way we were raised and where it's like respect your elders and you don't really hold that much like nowadays because we're older you can hold bands with like your uncles and aunties and that yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's more of a like you're you're seen but not heard type right, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not there's not like there's a certain level of respect you have for older people that you don't really banter that much. Whereas I think um people from different backgrounds is there's less of like for instance, yeah, if I'm in a in a workplace and um and there's an organization that we share space with and there's a lot of like middle aged black people that work there mm. and I'd feel uncomfortable not calling them auntie or uncle. Yeah, but at the same time in a professional setting, you have to call them by their name or whatever. And um, I think it's that there, there's, there's elements of that kind of different way that you're raised and where you might not feel comfortable in, in engaging or mm. with your boss in a certain way or having that kind of mm. debance or like saying, oh yeah, I did this and did this and this, did this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I kind yeah. of I get you because I think for me, I, I, you know, sometimes, and it's nice. It's nice when like managers or senior directors want to be on that friendly sort of level. Mm. Some of them, like I have encountered those people before who generally just want to be like nice and want you to like them. Mm. But my way of interacting with, with senior people, which is so ingrained from childhood is that there's a level of professionalism anyway, or like a respect that goes with that and the way that I'll treat you. Mm. So I can't just be casually having banter because I'm not used to that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good thing. I think... I mean, I respect managers that want to be on a more friendly basis with you, but it's very easy for those lines to cross. They'll be kicking with you, but, you know, you might make one comment out of pocket and then all of a sudden it gets mentioned in your appraisal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll have the the laughs and I'll be jovial, but I think it's important not to forget the fact that ultimately you're there and they're there in a professional dynamic. Yeah, no, it's true, it's true. because I've seen people kind of lose it. You go to work drinks and they're now saying things that they need to be saying and mm. then it gets gossiped about. And 
and that's a hard thing to navigate because work friendships. No, they're mad. It's hard. Mm. It's a minefield. They'll now be telling you stuff and you want to be sharing stuff and then that stuff now gets spread through the office or, mm. you know, somebody will now critique the work that I've done. But yesterday we were laughing together. Why are you now shouting at me? Mm. Because I made a mistake. And I think it's very important, especially if you're kind of just starting out, to just keep that balance and know, yes, it's good to get on with your colleagues and you should have a laugh with them. But ultimately, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. professional. Yeah. And I've, I've seen those lines get blurred and it gets sticky. No, so yeah. mm. I think for me personally, I would just kind of it's, 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 always keep that. The, the corporate <laughs> space can be a mindful. I, yeah. I knew a guy, he now, we went off to go and run a hedge fund. He was very, this guy was, he was French. He was very, very clever. And um, the head or one of the heads came in and was saying good morning to you. When he went up to this guy, said, oh, this guy who left, he said, oh, how are you? And he just had a really bad morning. He was like, I just shrugged his shoulders. Because of that very reason, this guy didn't get promotion for two years. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Because of that reason. And that's the thing that's that, so, like, yeah. it doesn't take much to go and, like, you just piss someone off. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. The fact that this guy, ah, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, you could see in his face he didn't want to talk to anyone. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's another so. thing, like the pressure to, Obviously, work is work, but then there's the... In order to progress in your career and kind of climb up the ladder, you do need those kind of personal... Um, obviously, professional, but like that kind of like friendly relationship with senior people, because when they're the ones that are going to decide whether you're moving up yeah, or not. you need not. a sponsor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So even if like you are on the same level, same kind of like output, quality of work with a colleague, but they are the ones that are always at the drinks, they're yeah. the ones that are like networking, whatever you... Yeah. Naturally, they're going to kind of go... Um, be promoted before yeah. you and sometimes I don't know you don't want to go to work drinks you just no, you, go. Know, <laughs> you probably count all the work drinks I've attended all two hands well, you know it, it depends on it and this is where I guess like corporate culture becomes a part of it, it I used to find it just to be a, a buzzword as in corporate culture but for some it actually has a meaning in the house that you're in like in the place that you're working for some places it's not done things for other places work is done in the pub Mm. Um, and stuff like that. You yeah. just, it just you know it depends on where it is and and, and the nature of it. And but yeah, now you think you're right in the sense that you definitely have to understand your. You have to understand that you are because if someone if someone's senior, particularly if they're very senior than you, you're essentially subordinated to them. So they can say whatever they want to say. They can mm -hmm. slander anyone they want to slander. You cannot do it. Mm. They have the thing is they've they've probably got. They've got so many war stories, stripes that they've earned and you haven't earned anything in anyone's eyes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Okay, yeah, by the grace of God, you've come here, you've started, but you at chapter one, they are nearing, they're in their twilight years. Do you know what I mean? Especially if they're very senior, they can say whatever they want to say. Do you know what I mean? Within reason. Within reason. Within reason. Obviously. Obviously. I was going to say that. I was going to say, how do you respond in the work setting when someone says or does something extremely problematic? You know, I've heard of different ways of... Thankfully, I've never had to, to deal with anything so grotesque. I've had to go after HR, but different people deal with it from what I've heard in different ways. Some people, um, they just have everything on record. They have everything on record. And then when they're ready to just bad someone up, they'll just go to HR and be like, pull up the receipts. I've got everything. Mm. They just give receipts. Wow. Some other people confront them and say, listen, this and this and this. You know, you can be, you, you know, if you're at a level where you're, you're cool enough, you can say, look, I'm not happy with this. What are we going to do about it? And then mm -hmm. usually it could just be, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll up your conversation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cool. Which I don't necessarily, I have an opinion on that anyway. I ain't mm -hmm. going to talk about that. But 
different people deal with things in different ways yeah. it? and you have to be careful as well even when sometimes you might want to go to to like HR or someone that's very senior like or someone who can oversee the, the situation that you're dealing with because certain situations can come back and backfire you do you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, in a different sense like whistleblowing for example can sometimes be frowned upon even though you are doing the thing which is quote morally unquote right it can be frustrated in it so different people deal with it in different ways so you know at least from what I heard not like not to say that the charity sector's got no problems because of course it does it's been all over the news but for I think because I work in a more left leading place mm. I've never had anyone say or do anything particularly same, problematic same to be honest yeah like <laughs> I just got a large at my work for you. I don't know. It's just, they just seem to be a bit, uh, I don't know, more socially conscious than I guess. I don't know mm. what the case is, but like, never had. And then I hear these stuff. horror stories, yeah. man, of like things that people have said at work. I'm like, how? How? How does that yeah. happen? No. And I think for me, I've been lucky. I've been, I've been in like a little bubble where it doesn't. Happen. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I felt I did have one experience. Let me not lie. But that person's left now, so Good. she got fired. Okay. So, yeah. I've had like <laughs> okay. awkward comments. Like yeah. I was going on my family holiday to, to Barbados. Someone was like, "Oh, is that where you're from?" Like, do you mean like, <laughs> like? <laughs> no, I'm Nigerian. But um, <laughs> like, like you know, awkward things. But yeah. I'm, I'm also like, like you, like nothing where I'm like, I need to ring up HR. But I mean, if anyone is listening that is in that situation, regardless of where you are on the ladder or how junior you are, you know, you have a right to be comfortable in your workplace. And I think that you know, HR should, is there to be used. And people, yeah, yeah. some people need to get checked, especially these older guys where they grew up in a time where being politically conscious and being politically correct wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. They need to wise up to it, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the only way they're going to learn and the only way that people are going to progress is if they're called up on it. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Because I think too many people, from what I see, too many people just feel like, well, you know, I just can't say anything because, you know, my own progression. No. And people are scared of mm-hmm. like, if I call this out, then I'm going to somehow be in trouble. Mm. And people just like allow it to continue and just don't call things out because they feel like that's just how work is. Yeah. I I don't know, man. That that, that actually pisses me off because I'm like, we shouldn't have to hide ourselves Mm. and take bullshit from people who are older because we're scared of progressing Mm. because of the way that we look. Mm. Can I pose a question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a departure from what we've been talking about right now, but um, do you guys feel like it is necessary at this stage of our lives or just in this generation to have some kind of side hustle going on whilst you're at work. I 100% think so. Yeah. I've basically been doing two jobs for a while, mm. but that's, that's me. That's, yeah, sorry. I mean, the reason I- Christy's I, making her face. So <laughs> oh, time for a side hustle man at work, man. That's what I was going to say. I was, I was gonna bring, the reason I brought Dude, up is because wrong. like, mm. I don't know, there's, there's no such thing as- well, in my opinion, job security isn't doesn't a thing exist. It doesn't really it exist doesn't anymore. Exist. Like back in the day, people you get your job at whatever twenty five or whatever mm-hmm. age you get, and you're That's working it. there for the next thirty yeah. years, whatever. Now it's really the case of, and I think like the financial crisis kind of made it a lot more mm-hmm. evident when people just mm-hmm. losing their jobs left, right, and center. You have to be able to reinvent yourself. You yeah, have to course. be continuously picking up new skills. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and living in London, which all of us do now, like. You could have a well-paying job, but like it can. It's even with a well-paying job, it's expensive to like live here. Mm. So okay. sometimes you need like multiple streams of income coming in as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, the real reason I asked that is just to see like, do you think that is a kind of like a nice thing to have? Would you think is like okay, you kind of need to be? Well, I think, and that's a, 
I think having a side hustle, I think it's to each their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having multiple streams of income, that I think is important. Okay. I think there's a difference. I think okay. you can have an investment portfolio mm. and that can give you... You, I can give you a nice little money earner, and that's another oh. stream of income. Okay. You know what I'm I think I'm kind well, of merging. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Because our side hustle is obviously you're doing the you're doing the dapper chocolates, which yeah. you know what, you still need to bring a pack. Bro. I was gonna say, right. I thought my, yeah. I, mean, yeah, man. I heard this that guy, when Stormzy came, he on, gave, he got yeah. some. Come on, bruv. He said he brought family, man. I did one for us and one for him. Yeah, and you gave both of them to Storms, man. I thought Maya would want one, innit? I thought Maya might want to. You know. oh, anyway, oh, next man. time, yeah, next time. No, but in terms, I brought you kettle chip. No, but in terms of side hustle, I mean, I think if you want to do a side hustle, then sure, innit? Um, but I think, like, my my work mm. is very time intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ain't got the time. I don't have to listen. I have the time to do various things only by the grace of God. I'm constantly doing 80, 90, 100 hour weeks. Do you know Jeez. what I mean? What? So, yeah, bro. If you include How? doctor hours, if you include, if you include Saturdays and Sundays, if you include no, Saturday Sundays as well, possible, bro. no, it's possible, bro. I can barely do thirty-seven. I'll just start for long walks. No, man. Like you know, if you're if you're if you're doing that, then you know, doing side hustles is is a bit different. You know, you know. So it's that that makes it difficult. But at the same time, I guess it's like if what you do in Mm. your work fulfills you and you're passionate about it. You probably don't need yeah. the fulfillment from like having you, a creative outlet or like having do, a. You tend to do stuff in the job. I find this doing this as well. You tend to do stuff in the job, which was almost a little side hustle in itself. You might do a little project that's not going to come out to the end of the year, but that's your mm. little thing that keeps you going. Do you okay. know what I mean? Okay. Um, mm. I am part of other ventures and stuff like that. Capital moments you've heard about. I, you know, I often because I, I work in finance, I often get people who are doing startups to come and say, "Can I have a look at the financials?" And I'm part of the team as such, and yeah. there are a few things I'm working on right now. Um, so that you I'm do. Doing that for. You do have a side. So you do. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple. Yeah. So you know, but um, I agree you, okay, with you. Okay, so when you say sorry. So what's the difference then between multiple streams of income and side hustle? So for example, I have my like shares portfolio, right. mm-hmm. which just I put a bit of money in every month on the side, a couple hundred quid that gets invested by whoever's looking after it. And that is another stream of income in addition to my salary. Mm-hmm. Then as you get older, you might maybe buy a house and rent it out. You might... Um, okay, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. you can have multiple streams of income, but I wouldn't consider those a side hustle because they don't require any, any a- anything from me. Yeah. Um, so, you know... It's just something I, that I, happens. Exactly. I completely agree you should have multiple streams of income. So, you know, as you... I think in the first instance, just save. Mm-hmm. Because I think 100%. when I started at my job, we had a training session and the guy was like, and I'll never forget, he was like, first thing you do is you save enough money so that you can live for three months if this job went away tomorrow. Mm, yep. That's good. So yep. stack good up advice. that money, get an emergency fund, clear your student overdraft. Yep. We just we all just graduated at that point. Yep. And then save to invest. And an investment can literally just be having an ISA yep. that mm-hmm. acquires mm-hmm. interest or that gets invested I need to and then as you get older obviously you can diversify that and Mm. invest in funds and and you know that's not a side hustle to me Mm. that is Mm. just spreading your money out so that so that you're you don't safe. have you, you're not relying on one source of income mm-hmm. well, I, guess, so, I guess I've got a mortgage so that's exactly kind of account but I don't have I don't have any shares or any sort of like I, there's no regular money other than the interest I get from my yeah. own account I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't have any other money coming in well yeah. I mean that's something I guess we kind of develop as mm. we acquire more capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, in terms of a side hustle, I think I'm a bit conflicted on it 
if you can, if you do have a skill or a passion that you can monetize, then by all means go for it. Yeah. Um, but also not every passion needs to be monetized. So I've got a mate who was also at Cambridge who loves DJing, is very into music. And I was like, he was in a corporate career and I was like, oh. Who's this? I won't say his name because no, 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 really I'm just not, trying, to, but, yeah, um, trying to work out. He, he used to still. do like club nights. I think he's oh. now in the music industry. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember at the time being like, oh, like you think about going into is music. Is he black? No. Right, just, just, <laughs> just, um, yeah. I was like, there was no, I was thinking there's no black guy who did that. Um, <laughs> um, anyway. But he was like, yeah, I mean, I love music. I love DJing, but I love it so much that I almost don't want to corrupt it by making mm. it something that I now yeah, make yeah, money yeah. from. Yeah. And, yeah. As a generation, I think we have the benefit, and it's something I wanted to talk about with you guys, and the burden of self-actualization. Yes. Which, if you don't, I mean, if anyone who's not familiar, it's, the, it's this concept of the pursuit of fulfilling our potential the and and fulfilling, you know, mm-hmm. filling our potential and, you know, having a purpose. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, our parents' generation in the round didn't have this, you know, they got jobs to feed their families. Mm. And mm. we're now in a position to be like, okay, not only do I want to feed myself, but I want to be fulfilled and mm. I want to feel like I have a purpose. And I think this idea has kind of been conflated into this other notion that like, if I'm not fulfilling my true passion in my job, my mm-hmm. job is not the right job for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really dangerous because, and because, sorry, um, you can have a passion. For example, my passion is travel and my mm. other passion is singing. I do that in the shower and I travel, you know, at different <laughs> points of the year. Doesn't mean I now need to become a travel blogger, otherwise yeah, my life yeah, is yeah, not being course. fulfilled. Yeah, I think I, I see a lot of pressure on young people, like, you know, your life needs to have meaning and your job needs to da 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 da. And if you get to do that, then that is amazing. But if you're working on a checkout, if you are a waitress, if you are a nurse, if you are, you know, working something that isn't your life passion doesn't make your career path any less valid because you're not making art every day. Yeah. Mm. I think it's important, especially, you know, I'm so happy at the rise of the creative sector in London and that kind of whole scene. But I think that it is making people feel like, oh, if I'm not doing something that, you know, makes all my fire in my belly come to life, therefore I'm wasting my life. Mm. You can pursue those projects without them being your career. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. it's important for people to feel like, to know that, you know, it's like when Stefan Don was like, oh yeah, like, don't know how you guys do this nine to five life. Like, this is, this is one of the things. Yeah, that yeah, really pisses me off. I don't know off. how you do it. Like, it when people say that, that, that winds me up. Oh so my like, God. Oh, no end. Like, just because you've managed to somehow find something. That because is. you're making money from fulfilling your yeah. dream. That's amazing. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that people who are work, because at the are end of the day, yeah, the yeah. people that keep our, our, our society running are the people who who, if I get on the train, someone that's driving that train, if I go to the shop, someone serve me in that shop. Like these people are making up the fabric of our society mm-hmm. and are so valuable. And if we're all walking around being CEOs and being artists, one of the best Uber drivers I ever had, yeah. Because me and him were stuck in traffic, and I was like, "You're gonna make so much money out of me." But then we just got talking, you know. It's like I'm stuck here. I might yeah, as well yeah. talk to this yeah, guy. Yeah. And we were taught for so long that even when he dropped me to my house and turned the meter off, we sat there for half oh, an hour wow. talking. And this guy was telling me all about his whole life, yeah. And he was saying, look, I'm just driving Uber because I am here and it's something to do. But my real passion is back home in Somalia where he was, he had this entire like charity that he was running. Yeah. And that's what he was that's beautiful, doing. 
And, he, and to him, it's like, I have to have my job because I need a job. Yeah, yeah. But what I really care about is this thing. And he was yeah. telling me all about the ins and outs of how he started and how it worked. And it got me thinking about what you were saying, this idea that your career doesn't have to be your passion. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Your I career. I mean, like, you should find. Write contracts. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, people shouldn't shouldn't be doing something they hate doing. Absolutely. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. But I think if you're doing something, and you're like, okay, this isn't my passion, but it's something. You know, I'm here, mm. and it's not that bad. And I've, I've actually managed to get my outlet some other way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. But it's for the people who, who aren't getting the balance between. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you have a passion, I think you should pursue it, whether that's in a career or whether that's in a side hustle, whether that's yeah, in just yeah. a hobby. Yeah. Like, you know, go and pursue that. Yeah. But let's not, let's take off this pressure that yeah. like, Every job needs it's to true, be the meaning true. and the I agree, yeah. it's, it's a very capitalist idea, whereas our whole worth yeah. comes from what revenue we generate. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it's have true. a side hustle. You know, I've got plenty of mates that do, and they and they make a decent amount of money from it. But don't feel like every skill yeah. needs to be monetized. Some um, things we can just do for the love o- of it. Occupation mm. and purpose are not. They're not, they're the, not same. the same. Yeah, they can be, but they're they're not often. They're not the same two mm. things. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And I think that if someone has a purpose. I think that they should try and do something occupation-wise which aligns with that. However, however, everyone, any job you do, there will be an element of transferable skills. At least at least you would hope there'd be some an element of transferable skills. And I feel that in some way, if you have a purpose that you are dying to pursue, like you cannot live your life without imagining you doing something, <laughs> yeah. but you know that the path is long, then... Mm. Just by step by step pursue and see what the transferable skills by getting from A to B to C to D is because everything will give you something. I remember yeah. when George came, um, George the poet, shout out to you, George. He, he came and said, it's kind of like Hanson Gretel with the little steps to get somewhere in life. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's kind of like that because if you suddenly, there's a problem that a lot of people, when they leave, they leave um, uni and they go into the, a lot of people say, oh, they go into the world of work, they're not enjoying it. And it's like, oh, they want to make a difference. Like, bro, you've been here 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm. You don't know anything about the work yeah, that you're right. Yeah. You can't, how can you even make an impact when you don't even know all you the people on your doing. floor? Yeah, yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? So, the skill set to even do what you, you know. Well, the thing is, yeah. yeah, the yeah. thing is, passion and skill sometimes ain't even aligned. Yeah. Mm. Right. Which is like yeah. sometimes you might love it, which is great. Like, that's good for you, man. But like, if you're not, you might not be able to make money out of this. Yeah, and your song's still trash, no matter yeah. how <laughs> love rapping. So, <laughs> how about. Wow. <laughs> You're thinking about specific. Like, I mean, like, fired. But no, real talk. Like sometimes, honestly, you're not gonna make money out of this, which mm. is sad. But if you love it, I still think you should do it and just do it. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'm kind of of the mindset that if it's something you enjoy doing, somehow you'll make money out of it anyway. Yeah. Like somehow people, someone will find your, your you. Gift, your gift shall make room for you. You know, and if, if you see a path to making money, I'm not. I'm not trying to tell people not to, mm. but I'm not. I just don't think. Just it don't get it twisted, innit? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, That's such a good point, you know. And I think the Maslow idea of because it's Maslow's thing, self actualization. Mm-hmm. Really, so, don't know. Yeah, the hierarchy. The, it's yeah, the top yeah. of the hierarchy. So the, top, so the apex. And yeah, people yeah. bring like people in the business world bring up Maslow all the time. Like they love talking about Maslow, Maslow, Maslow. Like our jobs need to fulfill like our basic needs and these needs. And then then self-actualization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's in great. I remember being in year 10 doing business studies and that's what we were learning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like this idea of the pinnacle of self-actualization in your corporate setting. And I was like, I, even then I was like, does my job need? No, no, no. no. Or is that like, like my life needs to give me that? Exactly. Your life, like, life, your spirituality, your trust, whatever. Exactly. Like, you, do it? Trust um, you know, I... 
often I've done quite a bit of like public speaking or mentoring and I often meet with young people for like coffee and in my work who want to talk about oh I want to get into law or I want to mm. do this or I've just graduated what do I do and I'll sit down with them and you know help them with their CVs and that kind of stuff and for me that gives me a purpose because I'm able to transfer what I've learned yeah yeah onto other people it doesn't pay me Mm. doesn't it doesn't doesn't get me any clout but mm. it makes me happy yeah and you know that is where i see my purpose yeah you know that is what fulfills me and i get to do that and the only way i'm in a position to do that is from being in my corporate job that yeah, has taught yeah, me yeah. these skills mm. so and learned, taught me these lessons there's so. a there's a japanese principle which came into my head called ikigai which is i'll show you the chart afterwards but it's the idea of that the kind of perfect interplay of what you do how you work on this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's based on four things. It's based on what you love, number one, what the world needs, number two. Number three is what you can be paid for. Number four, what you're good at. Mm -hmm. If you can find that perfect combination, that's like the sweet spot. Yeah. But not everyone can find that perfect combination. Yeah. And there's, yeah. a, there's actually a chart that shows you that actually if you're doing what you love and what you're good at, that's your passion, but you might not be getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. If you're doing what you love and what the world needs, that's, they're saying that's your mission. Mm -hmm. which I don't know, but I think there's some kind of sense to it, right? That it's like concentric circles. If you're doing what the world needs and what you can be paid for, that's a vocation. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing what you can be paid for and what you're good at, that's a, a profession, what you want. And it's like these kind of concentric circles and everybody's trying to find this sweet spot, not realizing how difficult it is to find that combination of four things, mm -hmm. things that you love, you're good at, you'll be paid for. Do you know what I mean? And whatever the fourth one is, to find, it's, it's difficult to do, man. And it's not going to happen overnight. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly. I think a lot of people are trying to find that sweet spot week one yeah. in, in their yeah, job. Yeah. And it's like what you were just saying, Tom, about, you know, is starting on so early and being like, I want to make a difference. I think, you know, I do think to make a generalization, a lot of people want to run before they, what's the phrase? Walk before you crawl. Yeah, yeah and the, I yeah. think mm. a lot of people mm. are forgetting you're not, you don't start on day one and then day two, you're CEO. Like, yes. it's important to graft. It's important to have a process. It's important to put hard work in. It's one thing to say, oh, by 25, I want to do this. How are you going to get there? Like, yeah, I think yeah. people shouldn't be afraid of just putting in that graft. And if you look at a lot of successful CEOs, they started in sales. They mm. started in the yeah, post yeah, yeah, trust me, And, you man. know, it's often said that the best leaders, you know, are so great because they know how to serve. And I think we shouldn't be afraid of being at the bottom and working our way up. And, you know, I know social media has made people feel like they need to be living as if they've made it. <laughs> but let's just keep it, you know, 100 and, and remember that it's about... No, like, grafting and learning. Trust me, yeah. when, when I look at a lot of um, CEOs that I talk to, because a lot of part of my job is, is talking to a lot of CEOs and, and CFOs and asking them questions. When I talk to a lot of CEOs and CFOs, a lot of them just started off just, just not, not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say menial jobs as such, but comparison to where they are now, they were just doing one little small, small position or something. I think one of the best examples is the the CEO of um, General Motors, a woman called Mary Barra. She's lovely and. Um, she started off um, as an engineer. She went to school mm. and just learned how to be a car mechanic. Mm. And now she's running one of the America's, one of America's biggest automotive companies. Do you know what I mean? Another example, there's a really nice guy. He's a, he's a silver fox. He's got that kind of George Clooney look about him named Uli Spisov. He runs one of the largest engineering companies in Europe called ABB. He made a dissertation when he was 21 about how do we keep engineers and engineering companies to go and run the companies. He didn't become CEO till he was in his like, it's quite early for a CEO. He didn't become CEO. He was like in his late forties, I think. Mm. But 
he grafted. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like the, I think the thing about people get misconstrued about a career process is a long graft. Mm-hmm. Something that somebody once said to me is, you don't get 10 years of experience by just working every day flat for two years. You get 10 years of experience in 10 years. Absolutely. You cannot, you can do stuff to hone your skills and improve yourself and make sure that you're a top performer all the time, but you get experience as it comes. And you suddenly can't say to yourself, oh, I want to be the top person when you haven't seen a variety of situations mm. that you can, do you know what I mean? And furthermore, one thing I notice about when people um, get up to like the upper echelons of companies and stuff like that, the role has completely changed. They are no longer being, um, you're no longer crunching contract or data or stuff. It's different. You're having to be a people person, mm. but that takes skill because you need to, un- you have to understand the fundamentals before you can go and do anything else. And it's like, you're someone, you haven't even mastered your own fundamentals. You know, you're still learning in the job, but in the grand scheme of things, you're not good yet. You will be yeah. good by the grace of God. But process. you know, it's a process. And yeah. people are like, I want to do something. No, respect the process. That's yeah. it. Obviously try and do the best you can to, to make things um, accelerate and speed up. But it's not by force you will accelerate. Things will happen in their own time. Yeah. You just have to do the best you can in the space in which you have. And be patient with it as well. We lack patience as a generation, you know. We lack it. We yeah. lack it. Yeah. We lack it. I think as much as you say, respect the process and be patient as, as well as that, there's enjoy the process. Yeah. Because we yeah, 100%, have a lot of, man. That's a good point. I think what as, us as humans probably is like, we have a lot of focus on the end goal. Mm. And until we're like, this is what everyone's kind of been saying, but like until you get to that end goal, you have this kind of like agitation and like anxiety, like, oh, why I'm not here yet. But when you kind of take the step, back and then say okay this is the steps i need to take and let me just like really just be in the moment and enjoy each step on on the way there mm. that's when you're always going to have some type of like mental anxiety around it so really just yeah try to enjoy the various steps that come to it. obviously there's a is a is a sometimes there's a slog sometimes there's a grind but like once you embrace the grind it becomes enjoyable yeah, yeah. and I, on that right i'm just conscious of time on this podcast and i feel like we've got to such a nice place with this um, which is wicked, man. And I wanted to ask one final question, which is and on on the back of what you just talk about, Kweku, which is what is your end goal? All, all of you, I want to hear everyone's. Everyone's end goal, bro. Yeah. That's a mad one. Ooh. Yeah, you're talking about end goals. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, ideally, I'd want to be... Ooh, that's a, that's a hard one. I can't... F- I mean, end goal is death, isn't it, really? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> bruv! I mean, that's that's the final destination. That's that Steve Jobs kind of. But I mean, really, too, that's the final destination. But like, as far as sorry, I made made it mad morbid. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. We know you're into your spirituality, (laughs) but sheesh, man. I'm sorry, guys. But um, yeah, I mean, fully, fully working on dapper chocolates Mm. would be ideal. I think really um, getting more involved in my writing as well. Like, I was something I really enjoyed doing, and um, I've got like positive feedback on to like a way in which I can integrate that into like my career mm. in some respect would be really cool um hmm setting something up in ghana that's cool doing something back home um and that's what really the purpose of what inspired dapper chocolates was like my, my grandma r.i.p by the way my grandma died last week mm. um rest in peace man thank you mm. um but she had a, a cocoa farm right and in the region where my, my family grew up um or my mom in particular their main source of income is from growing cocoa and um, it's a subsistence kind of basis of living. But um, our kind of grand scheme pitch is like, okay, cool. Can we set up like an actual factory producing the chocolate in Ghana as opposed to just 
being at this primary sector level. Yeah. Um, how can we add value and employ people at home? Um, mm. So that's another like big kind of goal that I'd have as well, actually. That's cool. Um, so maybe those those three. And I've, I'm working towards each of them. And I know I'm not there yet, but like like I was saying before, like enjoying the process mm. is all part yeah. of the game. Mm. So yeah, that's that's me. Christine? That's such a big question. Also, like, I feel like in case anyone I ever work with listens to this, they're going to be like, she didn't say partner. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think in terms of my personal career journey as a lawyer, I think it would be either making partner or being like head of legal at a mm. corporation or being involved with like a startup and like leading the legal operations there. So, I mean, something in that kind of respect where I'm like a experienced and hopefully good uh, lawyer. And then... In terms of a more passion project, I'd like to kind of do more work with helping young people, especially young black women, in kind of achieving their full career potential. So whether that is in, you know, having the confidence in interviews, um, navigating the corporate workspace and being their authentic selves. Um, and then I'm also quite, third one, um, kind of bridging that gap between law and other professional services and the creative industry, mm -hmm. which I do a little bit of at the moment, but I think could do with some proper infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, I've got mates that are like artists or designers and they don't know, for example, that once their invoices are 30 days late, they can charge penalties, they can charge interest. You know, there's so things like intellectual property, like getting your designs copyrighted mm -hmm. and registering your trademarks and there's a lot that law can do for creatives mm. and there's a lot that accounting can do, can do for creatives. And I think the two worlds are a bit too separate at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've always got it as kind of one project that I'd like to pursue is kind of having some kind of base mm. that those kind of, I've just given my ideas. That's a sick idea. <laughs> I'm not saying that's <laughs> way, man. That, yeah. um, that can kind of join those two worlds together. Yeah. So either through workshops, through like advice, um, to enable people who are starting out to kind of know, people okay, well, need that th sure. these these are my rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, if you're going through a contract, what should you be looking out? How for? How does someone reach you if they want to do this? Plug, um, plug yourself now, innit, man? I mean, how do they reach you? So you can tweet me. What's your um, handle, B? Like, everyone's gonna go in and see. I've got no followers, but I, I don't do it for followers. Do it for myself. Just plug it. Plug um, it. Um, at underscore man. Christy D. Um. No. No. If people have questions about getting into law, um you know, general kind of queries. I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of talk. Um, but yeah, that's me. It's been so much fun, guys. Wow. Thank you so oh, much gosh, for having man. me. And I hope that um, my contributions have been somewhat. Yeah, man. 100%, it. man. So, good. so much to it. Yeah. Sultry mm. tones, as Tom said. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what about you? What's your goal? I just want to be happy. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh. Now. I just want to be happy, man. <laughs> I was just I like, ain't fussed. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've uh, as I get older, I sort of realised, you know, in terms of materialistic things, there's nothing the world can offer me, to be honest. Mm. Having a nice car, house, and this stuff. It's nice. It's nice. It's very nice. But, you know, end of the day, uh, somebody once said to me, grass it with us. Beauty fades. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, there's nothing that this world can really offer me that will give me such a long-term satisfaction. You know, you know, so personally, I just, I just want to be happy and, uh, you know, if God allows, I have, you know, children and they have their own children and maybe help them somehow bequeath something to them but not so much I just want to be happy that's nice man perfect man yeah we're kids so hello lovely. and you um so this is something that me and my life coach were working through so if anyone needs a life coach shower Angela go I can give you a detail she's sick oh Angela yeah yeah Angela yeah, man yeah, she's yeah, a life yeah. coach now but um 
And it, one of the things for me that I'm obviously passionate about is conversation. Whole job is I just hold conversations and madly get paid for it. Um, and I think I want to set up a project which is all about exploring identity for anyone that's come to my events before identity chats. I want to turn bang, it into bang. A, very good. Thank you. It's very good. I want to turn it into a festival. Um, wow. Like over a couple of days and sort of obviously managed the festival. Identity rave, yeah? Yeah, identity rave would be mad. <laughs> wow, give me new ideas. But no, but then, but have a team of young people that were in charge of it that I could mm. leave them to do it as a legacy project. Mm. Um, and that's sort of my long term goal. So turning that into a thing. And obviously, like you all said, being happy and all Absolutely. of that stuff, having that's kids, being a dad, being an Instagram dad would be live. I can imagine myself being, like, being a wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Husband hunted on the podcast. Sliding the DMs, please. Sliding the DMs, man. She put her handle out there. She put her handle out there, man. Wow. Yeah, are your DMs man. open? Hey, Christy, are your Stop DMs it. open? DMs <laughs> open. <laughs> We're going to say that as a yes. <laughs> but no, man, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for listening. It's been a good conversation as per always. Christy, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you Thank you, Christy, for coming. Kirk, you didn't bring on no chocolates, did you? I can't believe I'm so man. sorry. Wow. I have no words to say. I'm, I'm sorry, Christy. It's all right. It's cool, man. Next time, innit? Next time. Yeah, bring some cookies next time as well, innit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, if you want to get in touch, find us at OTB Podcast UK is the hashtag. It's on it's our Instagram, our Twitter, and our email address otbpodcastuk at gmail.com. So you can get in touch for any requests, bookings, whatever you want to do, we will reply. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care.